1 Thessalonians 5.13, welcome back to Bible time. Here in the word of God, it says, And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. These closing remarks of the Apostle Paul, given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, are part of the statement that begins in verse 12, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you. Now this here is what we study yesterday, this um, verse 12, and this here to know them. It's your job to know the preacher. It's not the preacher's job to know you. It's the preacher's job to feed you, but it's not the preacher's job to eat for you. It's your job to come to the dinner table when you're called. It's your job to eat what he puts in front of you. It's your job to eat all of it. The peas, the lima beans, along with the steak, along with the cake and the ice cream. We've got too many buffet table Christians today. You're supposed to come and know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. You're supposed to come and listen. You're supposed to come and hear. You're supposed to come and believe the word of God. You're supposed to search the scriptures and study it out and hold them accountable to the word of God. And as long as they're preaching the word of God, you are supposed to obey them that are over you in the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, help us to have submissive spirits today. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us with this esteem, Father, and with the peace within our, amongst ourselves that you've commanded us to have. Help us to rightly divide the word of truth in Jesus' holy name. Amen. To know them that are over you in the Lord puts the burden of responsibility on you, not on your pastor to listen. Now, this could apply to a family, and this could apply to children. Whose job is it to hear? The child's job. The Bible says in Proverbs, Hear ye children the instruction of a father. Hear ye children the instruction of a father. It does not say, Hear, father, the instruction that you gave your child and make sure that he heard, that he heard it. How about that hillbilly ease right there? Make sure that he heard it. The Bible says the child is supposed to hear. What a liberating reality this was for me with my children when suddenly I was reading my Bible and realized it's not my job to make sure my children heard me. It's their job to make sure they hear me. By the way, that's how it works in the military. If you go into the armed services or the armed forces and you're standing there and... Oh, Lord, help me not to chase rabbits. You're there in the armed forces, and they are, and they tell you, Attention! And you say, I didn't hear you, drill sergeant. I wonder just how well that'll go over for you. Not very well. It's your job to hear. It's the preacher's job to preach, kind of like it's the sergeant's job to bark orders. It's your job to snap, too. Now, when the pastor gets up, or even, by the way, men of God that get up, that God has placed in the pulpit to preach for a day to an extent, they are, to an extent they are over you in the Lord, even though it's only for a few moments as a visiting preacher or as a preacher under the leadership of the church. Maybe a boy preacher gets up like got up at our church um, last night and preached at a very young age. Um, how old is that young man? I don't remember how old he is. Is he 12, 13, 13? 
All right, 13-year-old young man got up whenever he opens the Bible, having studied the Word of God, and he opens the Bible, and he begins to bring a message. If he has prepared his heart and sought God for a message, and if God is speaking through him, then you better listen up because he's over you in the Lord. You can be 65 years old and a 13-year-old boy preacher get up and crack that Bible open, and he is over you in the Lord while he is preaching the Word of God, and you better listen, and you better take heed. If you don't, it will not be profitable to you because it's not the man that makes the man worthy of esteem. It's the office. It's the job. It's the work. And that's what this verse says. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourself. Now, while this is primarily speaking of the preacher in the sense of they that are over you in the Lord, and that's just because primarily the pastor is the one that is over the church long term. This has application to a visiting preacher. This has application to the evangelist that comes for revival time. This has application to all those who teach you and preach you the word of God. And your job is to hear, by the way, when any man gets up to preach and teach the word of God in the church of God, it's your job to listen. They're over you in the Lord. Any woman that gets up to preach or teach in the house of God is usurping authority over the man. And the God says, in the Bible for the women to be silent in the churches and to learn at home and ask their husbands their questions to generally keep their mouths shut. It says to be silent in the churches. The context is with teaching and preaching the word of God to the believing assembly of the saints. And any masquerading, hypocritical, lying, phony, fake, two-faced woman that gets up in the pulpit and claims to be a servant of God should not be listened to when she stands over the church. She's out of line, out of place, out from underneath authority, and she's in an office that is not hers to hold. Therefore, she is not over you in the face she's masquerading. Now, this has to do with jurisdiction. It has to do with authority. People don't like authority today. People despise authority, but this has to do with authority. Did you know that God is an authority? How many of you here today know that God is the boss? How many of you know that God is in charge? Raise your hand here today if you know that God is in charge. God says what God says, and your job is to say, yes, sir, Lord God Almighty. Thomas said it this way, my Lord and my God. Paul on the road to Damascus is that with the name of Saul said, who art thou, Lord? And then he asked what God would have him to do, and then he did it. And that's your job, and that's my job. And when God says that a bishop, an elder, a pastor, a deacon must be a husband of one wife. And it goes on and talks about him, 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 him. God is not a gender neutral God. And God is talking about a male, a man. And if there's not a man to be found, then there's not a preacher to be found to be a pastor of the local church because God has ordained it that men should be the ones to stand in leadership of the church. 
Jesus is a man, not was, is. Jesus was God in the beginning, and Jesus is God, and Jesus is a man. He's not a halfway man. He's not a sissy man. He's not an effeminate man. He's a man, and he's a man. He's a man's man. He's a tough man. He is a strong man, but he's a gentle man and a meek man. But he's a man that wields a sword, and he's a man that will call down fire, and he's a man that will judge his enemies. He's a man. He's a loving man. He's a healing man. He's a savior man, but he's a man. My God is a man. God is a he in the Bible, and God has ordained that men rule in the church house. And if you've got a problem with that, it's because you have a problem with God. So you can go bark up his tree about it, and by the way, he made them all. So take your pick. But God is God, and God is a man in the sense of being male, even though he's a spirit, and God has commanded that men stand in the pulpit. People come up to me and say, well, I don't like this bigoted chauvinist stuff. The reason that men are the only ones allowed to be pastors in the old churches is because all these people were women haters. You bunch of pack of lying hypocrites. You're nothing but lying hypocrites out there. God made woman. God loves women. Look at those women that followed Jesus. Now he loved them and took care of them. But God who made women gave women a place and he gave man a place and the pulpit of the church house teaching the men of the church is not the place for women, period, because God said so. You say, you're just in the flesh. That's Bible. Even if I am in the flesh, I hope I'm not. Lord, help me to be in the spirit. But that's Bible. The Bible is what teaches us this. And the Bible is what we've got to go by. If you're not going to go by the Bible, you're out from under authority. Any preacher, man, woman, or child that gets up and preaches their opinion in the face of God's word is a liar and a hypocrite. Or flat ignorant, one or the other. I don't care how many letters you've got behind your name. You contradict this book and you stand and fight against God Almighty. Now when the preacher, the man of God, by the way, the man of God, whenever the pastor gets up and he preaches week in, week out, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you are getting an opportunity to know him that is over you in the faith. And it's your job to sit down and to shut up and to listen and to learn. And if you disagree, you better search the scriptures and you better search them hard. The man of God is, by the way, at the end of the whole equation, just a man. And men in their best state, the Bible says, are altogether vanity. And this is what really ticks off the world whenever we say that the Bible says that only men can be pastors. Because man in his best state is altogether vanity. That means emptiness. And the Bible says God hath chosen the foolish thing of this world to confound the wise, the base things, the, the weak things. So God takes a weak, base, foolish, vain, empty man and puts him up in the pulpit and people say, wait a second, you're not qualified for that position. I could do a better job than you. That's your problem. It's not the man that, you're, that you should be looking at. It's God who put the man there that you got to be worried about. And God said it's got to be a man and God's the one that picks the man. And when God picks the 
the man, you better get behind the man or you're going to stand in the face of Almighty God and rebel against him because it's not the man that you're going to have to deal with at judgment. It's God who appointed the man. This is all about authority. This is all about position and jurisdiction. And God is the ultimate authority. And those that God puts over you in the faith, God puts over you. If you fight the ones that God puts over you, you fight God. This is basic, isn't it? This is really basic. Are you getting this today? If the pastor stands up for God and he's studied and he's seeking God, he's walking in the spirit, he's bringing you the real undefiled word of God, not the opinions of man, and he preaches from his heart the message that God has given him, guess what? You're still going to be looking at a fallen man. You're going to be watching a fallen man. And from time to time, he's going to do things and say things that expose his vain, foolish humanity at the same time as he's preaching the message from God. And if you get lost looking at the vain, foolish, weak, base man and rebel against the message that God sent, you will have to answer to God for rebelling against God. That's how it works. You go in the military and your sergeant says, Attend, hut! And you say, I don't think I should have to listen to you. You're a hypocrite. You don't do your socks like you make us do our socks. He's going to say, hit the deck. And if you don't, you're going to jail. It doesn't matter whether you think he's a hypocrite or not. If he's God's man, the preacher that is, you better follow him. Unless he gets outside of God's word. When he gets outside of God's word, then you better do the biblical steps necessary. Now, now that we've gotten that taken care of, let's try and move on here. Your job is to hear, learn, respond to God. Week after week, pastor comes with messages. He brings in people. Pastor brings in a traveling evangelist. That man is being placed over you in the faith, even though you don't know him from Adam. When the pastor says, will you step up here and preach the word of God God has given you? That man is being placed over you by your authority that God has given you, and you better listen. When the pastor lets a man stand up from the from the congregation your brother in the lord you went hunting with him you've been fishing with him and he stands up with a word from god you better get past your hunting and fishing buddy and look for god and his word because that man while he's preaching is over you in the faith not in the same sense as the preacher but in that small moment of allowed allocated jurisdiction he's over you in the faith as he preaches that's why by the way a preacher can stand in the pulpit of a pastor and preach with authority and not be usurping authority because he's working through chain of command and god establishes chain of command now the Bible says here to esteem them very highly in love. Most counseling isn't needed if you're faithful in church and listen to your pastor. If you have a true pastor, by the way, if you don't have a true pastor, what's he doing there? You say, well, my pastor isn't that way. He's not a real man of God. Then why in God's name are you calling him your pastor? And what in God's name is your church? If your church is led by a man that's not a real man of God, what in God's name is it? I ask you by the name of Jesus Christ, what is your church if it's not led by a man of God? Because God leads his churches by his men. 
So if your church doesn't have a man of God, is it even a church? And if it's not a church, what in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ are you doing there? Amen? You say, oh, well, then I'll just sit at home. Now you're forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. You say, well, I can't leave my job. Yes, you can. There's jobs open all over the place. You can work at the factory. You can work for the landscaper. Move to a place where there is a man of God and a church that's anointed by God and has the presence and power of God. If you're a Christian, you're designed by God to be part of a local body of believers under the leadership of they that are over you in the Lord and to be admonished by them. And if you don't, you'll shrivel up and die spiritually. So he says here, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. (coughs) Now, This is kind of eating brass tacks today. I hope we can try and make it as appetizing as possible. Most of us don't like to talk about obeying and submitting and doing what you're told. Most of us want to be our own person and do our own thing, but that's not God's way. The, just, a, just a coincidence, another rabbit to run, that centurion that Jesus said had greater faith than all they in Israel, Jesus said he had greater faith because the centurion understood authority and chain of command and got under authority. And he had the faith to get under authority. How about that? Isn't that amazing? You say, well, I have faith to lead my family out of church. How about you get some faith to lead your family into church where God said to be? Amen. It says, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Let's look at a few verses here. Now that we've taken care of the first nitty-gritty business, we can get into some balancing scriptures without going off the other side into the other ditch. Here, esteem is to hold in high respect and honor. Go to James chapter 2. We'll look at an apparent contradiction here today. James chapter 2, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with the respect of persons? For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou here, or sit here under my footstool. That word gay clothing there, that means happy clothing, um, bright clothing. The word gay in the Bible and in old use means happy and free as a bird in the sky and it has been stolen by a wicked group that is neither happy nor free they're a bunch of sodomites and they're an abomination to god and they're going to burn in hell unless they repent just like the rest of other sinners now um he says here that he that weareth the gay clothing you have respect him that weareth the gay clothing and say unto him sit thou here in a good place and say to the poor stand thou there or sit here under my footstool are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if, get this, but if, look at your Bibles, verse 9, but if ye have respect to persons ye come 
commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. So that means that I don't have to respect my pastor. I don't have to esteem my pastor. No, we've got to balance this thing. So while all people are equal, I've preached much about this in the past. Some of you can go back if, you're re- if you really care to and see some of those other passages that we've talked about, the equality of the brethren. You can probably even look for messages there on Sermon Audio with equality in the hashtags. But the, as the brethren are equal in their um, creation equal in their value before God, equally able to be saved by believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, not all positions are equal in authority. And this works for the family too. By the way, if you're sitting here and you're a kid, this applies to you, not just in the church house, it applies to you to take this to those that are over you in the Lord in your family and esteem them highly in love. And you can learn the same thing here. Your mommy and daddy are not better than you in any way, but they have a office ordained by God. And because of that, you have to obey them. And that's those offices are not similar in their execution or their formation between the church and the family. But the principle is the same, that you should esteem them highly in love. So here to esteem them is to respect them and honor them, not because they're a better person, but because of the office that they have been given. So the pastor then should be venerated, respected, esteemed because of his position over you in the Lord. And it says to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Now, this brings in an interesting fact that this esteem, this very high esteem that you are to hold them in is an esteem that they must earn. Nobody gets this esteem at ordination. You don't get this esteem by getting a degree at a theological seminary. You get this esteem by faithful labor in the word, in doctrine, and in prayer, which we're going to look at here in just a moment. Let's continue on this esteem. You must beware respect a person. Well, that's a wealthy pastor. I'll respect him. Well, that's a charismatic pastor. And I don't mean it in the denominational way. I mean, he's, he's got the ability to win friends and influence people. That doesn't mean you should respect him or honor him. The respect, the esteem that comes is for their work's sake. In Revelation 2.15, the Bible tells us to beware of the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Be, to beware, he says, which thing I hate. He said, you have in your church the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. This doctrine of the Nicolaitans is a doctrine that the, um, that the pastor and the evangelist and these other ministers of God have some kind of special corner on the salvation market and that you have to somehow also go through them to get to God. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That is the only way to God. And these people that stand between you and God are in sin. But nevertheless, we're still told to esteem them that are over you in the Lord. Go to 1 Thessalonians um, 5.13 again and look at it. 
it says, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace amongst yourselves. So here, this means to honor them, to show respect to them, to defer to them, to yield to them, to give way to them, to think highly of them, to speak highly of them, to care for them. This is to esteem them highly in love. Now, in a marriage between a man and a woman, which is a different relationship entirely than that between a church member and his pastor. Nothing at all like a marriage. I've heard it taught like a marriage and it gets really weird really fast. And you got you that doesn't work. You got to keep apples with apples and oranges with oranges. But as far as value of human beings goes, in a marriage you can see that the man has no more value than the woman at all. The woman is equally valuable in the sight of God, but she has a completely different set of roles and responsibilities, and the man is made the head of the home by God in the word of God, and since God said it's that way, it's that way, whether you like it or not, whether your psychologist friends agree with it or not, that's the way it is. You say, no, that's the way God says it is, but we're not doing it that way. That's the way it is, whether you do it that way or not, and if you break a, just like if you break a jar, it's still a jar. It's just a broken jar. And if you choose to do things another way than what God says, it's still God's way, but you're broken. You're not doing it your own way. You're broken. You're wrong. You're out of line. You're out of order. You are mistaken. You need to get right with God if you're not doing it God's way. So God says, esteem your pastor. You say, I don't have to esteem my pastor. I know what a hypocrite he is. Again, if he's not a man of God at all, then do you even have a church? And if you don't have a church, why are you going? Just some kind of social club? If he is a man of God and he doesn't have biblical reason to be removed from his office, you are to to esteem him highly in love. And if you don't, you're wrong and you're sinning against almighty God. What does that mean to esteem him? To think highly of him? To take his word whenever he preaches the Bible, not to take his word as God, but to receive what he preaches as true and then go to the scriptures and search them to back it up. Or if he's in, if he's missed it, to find out about it from God. You can go check out your preacher, but listen to me, that doesn't mean criticizing your preacher and sitting there making him an offender for a word and saying, and every time he says something, you're looking for fault and trying to find a slip up so that you can prove that you're right and he's wrong. What this is talking about is receiving what he preaches to you. And if you're eating the dinner he made and you get an eggshell in your scrambled eggs or you get a bone in your mincemeat pie, then you spit out the bone. That's what this is talking about. You esteem him highly in love. You speak highly of them. If you go home from church and badmouth the preacher and talk about how stupid he was and are, you're always correcting all of his little slip-ups and pointing out his flaws and his errors and his idiosyncrasies and his idiotic behavior that he may do from time to time because all men are just men, then you are wrong. You are in sin and it's going to cost you. God says, esteem them very highly in love for the your work's sake. You say, this message is nothing but bones. Sorry. We're just trying to preach the Bible. This is, it's not a fun topic, but it's true. First Timothy five, go there quickly. First Timothy five. It is your job to listen. It is the pastor's job to talk. 
It is your job to shut your mouth. It is the pastor's job to open his mouth. Get it down. Get it down. What? Came the word of God out from you only? Are you the originator of the scriptures? If you're not the source by which the word of God was inspired, then you have room to be taught. And you should shut your mouth and listen to your pastor. And if you don't have a pastor you can listen to, get one. Do whatever it takes. Move wherever you got to move. You say, I moved four times. I'm out of money. I can't do it again. Then maybe you're the problem and not the preacher. And maybe you need to go back and try again at the place you were at last time. I don't know that. I'm just throwing that out there. Some of you out there listening to this today are hurting right now because you've had a junky, trashy, stupid um, servant of the devil pastor that's hurt you. And, and so you're taking this to heart as if you've done wrong. Don't let the devil rake you over the coals if that's the case. But find a pastor. God wants you to have a pastor. He'll give you a pastor. If you seek the Lord, return to the Lord with your whole heart, God will give you a pastor or he'll make you one. I'm not talking about all these self-made preachers or false prophets either. So here we're to think highly of them. We're to speak highly of them and we're to care for them. Let's look at some of these things. 1 Timothy 5.1 rebuke not an elder, but him, but entreat him as a father. You say, that's talking about an older man. It says right there, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. So obviously that's not preachers. Well, this does have a direct context of dealing with an older man, but look at verse 17. The elders that rule well. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. There's an elder in the Bible that is an older man, and there's an elder in the Bible who is an ordained official in the church, and the title of elder has to do more with his spiritual maturity than it has to do with his physical age. And so if a man is an ordained pastor, an ordained minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, leading the flock of God in whatever capacity or jurisdiction God has given him, you better not be rebuking him. You entreat him as a father. Now, you could take this in all kinds of ways that are not right if you don't understand jurisdiction. And and if you don't understand jurisdiction, you're going to misquote me and trash this whole message and do yourself damage and do everybody else you talk about damage with it. Jurisdiction is an area that God gives an individual authority. Um, Harold B. Seitler was a powerful pastor. He just got brought up recently. I think it was Harold B. Seitler. Um, Anyway, Harold Seitler was powerful. There was another man at the time, J. Harold Smith. I've only heard a couple messages either preached. I don't endorse everything they did because I don't even know everything they did. But God does. And God used those two men. Harold Seitler did not have authority over Harold Smith's church, even though they both had the same name. And even though they were both pastors. So we've, Lord, help us today. You've got to understand jurisdiction. If you don't, this whole thing's going to make no sense to you. You'll be lost. You'll be like a bowl of spaghetti. You'll be like, so what are we supposed to do? Respect them or not respect them? Respect persons or not respect persons? Esteem them? Give honor? Don't give honor. Jesus said um, that you shouldn't, that if you seek honor from men, you won't get honor from God. But then the Bible says, give honor to them that are due. And it says here, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. You've got to rightly divide the word of truth and you have to keep jurisdictions and lines clear. So here, 
The elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, he says here, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Don't even listen to something bad somebody says about your preacher unless you have two or three witnesses with you to deal with it whenever it's spoken. That's what the Bible's saying. This is that esteem. Esteem them highly in love. Give them respect. Give them deference. Give them monetary remuneration. That's what it means by muzzle not the ox that treadeth out the corn. Take care of your preacher. He's got to pay his bills. And he can't spend time in study and prayer like he could if he's out constantly trying to make a living. Now, God does call some preachers to work full-time jobs and preach and lead their church and evangelize. And there's some people out there with it. There's differences in administrations, but the same God. But not every preacher is like that. And I would venture to say most preachers do not have the skill sets or in the, in the secular workplace or in the spiritual workplace to juggle a lucrative enough job to support their whole family and take care of any size church that's any bigger than your tiny country church. And it's okay if it's just a tiny country church. Take care of your preacher is what this is saying. Take care of the elders that rule well. Give them double honor. Make sure they have money to give their kids a gift on their birthday. Make sure they're not sitting there in total poverty. Now, if you are all in total poverty together, that's different. But if you're sitting there with birthday presents stacked up to the ceiling and the preacher can't even afford to give his kid a piece of candy for his birthday, you are sinning. Again, this is not opinion. This is not opinion. This is God's word. And you either obey it or you are wrong. You either obey it or you are wrong. Disobedience is sin. Disobedience to the Bible is sin. A lot of people today, I know this is brass tacks. I know this isn't fun. Lord, help us today to get this right. A lot of people in this day and age will get online and say, if only I had a preacher. If only we had a church in our area. And if you don't, I feel for you. There are a lot of people that don't have a good church, that don't have a pastor anywhere near them. But a lot of people that get online and say that are the causes of their own problems. And I'm not saying this to breathe down your neck, but I'm admonishing you in the Lord in as much as you allow me in this little ministry to have a little bit of jurisdiction to preach the word of God to you. And by the way, if you sit here and listen to this, and if I'm preaching the word of God to you, then you better be careful what you do with it. And if I'm not preaching the word of God, then what in Christ's name are you doing wasting your time? If I'm preaching the word of God and if I'm right and you shrug this off and won't obey it, it will be unprofitable for you. Some of you out there today on the internet don't have a preacher because you wouldn't take care of the one that you had. Oh, he wasn't a very good preacher. He was kind of stinky. His hair was messy. He was overweight. He was skinny as a beanpole. He slurred when he talked. He mumbled. He didn't know how to say the names of the Bible. He wasn't a good people person. He had clammy hands. When I shook his hand, 
it was like shaking the hand of a dead fish. He didn't do communion enough. He did communion too often. He liked purple. There were purple pews. There were purple chairs. There were purple hangings in the church. I don't like purple. And you have all these reasons that you did not esteem the man of God that God sent you because you were lost on the foolishness and the vanity of the human that was standing before you and you failed to see the office. You failed to understand that the man in front of you was a representative of God and you did not esteem him highly in love and you are your own enemy and you're out there all alone, sheep scattered on the hills of Samaria with no preacher because you didn't want the preacher God sent you. I'm trying to help you today. Got people all over this nation. Oh, if only we had a preacher like that preacher three states away. Every now and then they move three states. And you know what they usually do? They last less than six months. Some of them make it two years. Almost all of them blow out. And they say the same thing from their new location where they moved to be under the preacher they thought was an anointed man of God. If only we had a preacher and they find a new preacher to live stream three states away and comment on. Again, I feel for you if you are legitimately in need of a church and a pastor and you don't have one. I feel for you and I want God's best for you. That's why I'm preaching this today. Did you know if God sends you a preacher, it might not be what you thought? He might not look like you thought. He might not smell like you thought. He might even be somebody you grew up with and God forbid... He's not as smart as you. He's not as wise as you. He doesn't handle money as well as you. He doesn't know politics as well as you. He's been the butt of every joke at the workplace. You know all about him. And yet there he comes, a representative of God, anointed and ordained by God for you and your city. And you're going to turn your nose up at him and walk away and go back to your computer and find another internet preacher to listen to because you will not esteem them highly in love who are over you in the Lord. You say, you're being hard on us. I'm trying to help you today. I know good, God-fearing, Bible-preaching preachers who are sitting under other pastors because nobody will take them. I know one man um, who recently went and preached the Bible, preached his guts out, preached his heart out at a local church for almost six months, if I remember right. And at the end of it, half the people in the church said, you're right. You're the man of God. You're the one that God's given us. We need you in this pulpit. Would you please come be our pastor? And the other half said, wait, 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 hit the brakes. We don't like this guy. He doesn't think the way that we think. And literally, I'm going to tell you the truth right now. What One of the main things was there were two main things he was king james bible only which is a right position to have and then he had another position that a lot of people get really upset over and that i don't even see eye to eye with him on but i don't care about i love the man anyway and he had a position where he didn't like christmas and they didn't want him and they sent him down the road And this is the kind of trash and stupidity that is killing our country and killing our churches. Because if you can't get the cookie cutter preacher that fits your little mold and makes you happy and pats you on the back and rubs your hand when you're sick and brings you hot tea and slippers, then you're going to blow out and get mad and shoot your mouth off and talk bad about the pastor and leave the church. And all across America, we have reaped what we have 
have sowed because we have disobeyed the word of God that says to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Not for their face and their beauty, not for the style of their hair, not for the the shape of their suit coat, not for their career skills, not for their business skills, not for their people skills, but for their work's sake. You are to esteem them highly in love. Do you know we have preachers, God-fearing, God-given preachers who are dead today, dead, dead, D-E-A-D, dead in the grave because their churches worked them into the the grave without taking care of them. And they worked themselves to death, praying, weeping, fasting, preparing messages, preaching their heart out, going on visitation, ministering to the flock of God, and working their fingers to the bone to try and make a decent living for their family. And they gave out and died. And the church is sitting there saying, if only we could find a good pastor like Charlie. You killed Charlie. That's why you don't have a Charlie. Charlie might have gone another 30 years if you'd have taken care of Charlie. Amen? Am I the only one that sees the truth in this? I hope not. Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. You say, it's me, it's me, I've sinned. Maybe out there online, and you get this. Repent, ask God for mercy, and you better be ready when he sends you another preacher. You better be ready, and you better back him up. No pastor can stand by himself. I'm telling you, no pastor can stand by himself. It takes a body. God designed a body. God made the church to function as a body. How many pastors today are pastors that nobody knows are pastors that are not called pastors because nobody will have them? The church got intended for them, sent them packing, and there's nowhere for the preacher to go. In Elisha's day, the sons of the prophets, good preachers, God-fearing men, were all flocked over there building a house by the Jordan River. And what do you find them doing? Chopping down wood with borrowed axes, trying to eke out a subsistence, laboring in menial tasks trying to hold just a house and a living together and the people that they could have ministered to were off worshiping Baal. And that's how we've gotten to in America today. Got a bunch of Baal worship going on. Our towns and our churches across the nation are full of Baal worshipers and the prophets of Baal and the true men of God are few and far between. They're out there but they're rarely called pastor anymore. Most of the time they're called freak, lunatic, fool, because our country, our people have no use for them. First Corinthians chapter nine and verse six. Here the apostle Paul says, or I only and Barnabas have not we power to forbear working. He says, can't we quit building tents? Can't we quit with all this? We looked at some of that yesterday. I encourage you to look that up if you didn't catch it and look at what this work is. We're going to jump into this work just a little bit. We're to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And we're going to get into that in just a second. Lord willing, I'm taking too much time on the opening of this message. We got to get through these points. 
Lord, help us. So here in 9.6, he says, we could quit our jobs. Who goeth to warfare at any time at his own charges? Who pays for his own battle? By the way, it doesn't work in general. If you let somebody, Hannibal tried that. He waged war with Rome for, I think it was 16 years in the Second Punic War, and he nearly destroyed Rome, but because Carthage would not help him, eventually he ran out of resources and had to leave the nation, and Rome ended up defeating Carthage. And guess who they called? This is how it always works. Guess who they called whenever Carthage was under siege? Hannibal. He'd gone warfare at his own wages, and now that they were finally getting attacked by Rome, they called him back and tried to have have him stop Rome with an undermanned, underarmed army in the face of an overpowering force that had come to destroy and conquer, and he was defeated and killed. There it went. Boy, is that the story for most pastors today. They get shoved off, they get kicked out, they get put off on the sidelines and in the background until something goes really bad. And then, oh, back to the little country church house I haven't seen in 15 years. Back to Pastor Johnny so I can weep on his shoulder and he can pat me on the back again. But it's too late by then and he can't rescue your marriage and he can't rescue your kid that went off into sin that he should have been preaching to for 15 years, but you rebelled against the man of God and left out. Lord, help us today. Some of you out there, this doesn't apply to you and you're taking it straight to heart. Some of you out there backed up the pastor and he went bad, bad, bad. And he hurt you and he hurt your family and you've been hurt. And it's and listen, that happens and it's okay. God has real pastors. Pray, seek God's face and get another one. Find a man of God and get to him. But you bunch of rebels out there that are sitting there listening to this, you need to get right with God and get under a preacher. Get under a pastor. It is God's will for you. God designed the body and he designed the body to function with an under shepherd, an overseer ruling over the flock, not by constraint, but willingly. First Corinthians nine here. He says, who goeth to warfare at any time at his own charges? Who planteth the vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth the flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man or saith not the law the same also. For it is written in the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen, or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt that this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers over this of this power over you, are not we rather? Did you see that? If we sow to you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we reap your carnal things? The preacher's praying his heart out, working his heart out, getting messages from God. Is it a big deal to give him a salary? It's not. And if you make it a big deal, it shows how stinking carnal you are. In God's name, esteem highly in love for their work's sake. If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. And so here's the great verse a bunch of stingy people like to quote out of context and rest to their own destruction. Well, they close their pocketbooks to the work of God. Do ye not know that they which minister about that one there where we have not used this power? But here he says, Do ye not know that they which minister about the holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. 
That's God's way. As much as God has ordained the preacher to preach in the church house, God has ordained the church body to esteem him highly in love and take care of him financially, physically, food, clothing, shelter. Take care of the man of God. <coughs> Get the privilege of preaching this way, not being preaching to a church house full of people who are under my authority. It'd be a lot harder to preach this right at somebody that's the one that you're talking to that, and you're over them. But I have the privilege here of not being over you in a pastoral sense or any way like that or in any way trying to exact any kind of monetary remuneration from you. I'm telling you, back up the man of God. God sends you. Get under a man of God. Get under a preacher. Get in a church. Get under a Bible-believing, God-fearing, anointed man of God and follow his faith. Follow God. So here he says, I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things that it should be so done unto me, for it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glory in void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Now, all of these out here, he says, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. All you out there that would use this as an excuse not to pay your preacher, not to back up the word of God, not to send the missionary out there with money in his pocket to carry the gospel to the lost, not to take care of the evangelist, not to do carry forward the work of God and help those that are over you in the Lord and are ministering the word of the God to you and to your area, to those of you that, that would use this excuse, notice in verse 5, have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles and as the brethren of the Lord in Cephas? Not only did Paul work for a living, but Paul refused to marry. <clears throat> Do you see the significance of that? <clears throat> They're this one and the same. As much as it's the right of the preacher and a blessing from God for the preacher to marry and have a wife, it is the right of the preacher to have physical remuneration for his labor from his people that he ministers to. That's God's way. Again, I use none of these things in a way that it should so be done unto me. I'm not telling you out there to do this to me. I'm telling you, get under a pastor. Get behind the work of God and the ministries of God. Get behind God's work. Support the work of God. And if you don't have any man of God or work of God in your area to back up, move. we got to keep moving. Now, in, in verse 12, he said, we've not used this power. Um, of, there's of note some missionaries that went to the Lisu tribes from China Inland Mission in the 30s and 40s of the last century um, in the 1900s. And there, they actually had a policy of not giving anything to the Lisu. And that particular group of people, they had noted with uh, much consternation that it was completely hindering to the gospel to give the Lisu anything and they expected the Lisu to give them a place to stay and share their food with them when they came to preach. 
And that means was the only means by which they were able to propagate the gospel throughout those people. Because with those people in that circumstance, in that place, those people would not respect the preacher if they didn't. And how many churches are that way today? They do not respect their preacher because they're not sacrificing to take care of their preacher. Sometimes there's people like that too. Now, 1 John 3, 17 says, if you say you love your brother who you can see, and but or you hate your brother who you can see, and say you love God who you cannot see, you're a liar. And it says in 317, if you see your brother have need and um, don't take care of him, how dwelleth the love of God in you? Let's move on to the work here real quickly. Oh my, I skipped Hebrews 13. We looked at that yesterday, so we'll just touch it real quick and hit the work. Hebrews 13, 7 and, um, says to remember them that are over you in the Lord. Uh, 13, 17 says, <clears throat> obey them that have the rule over you. Verse 7, remember them which have the rule over you. 17 says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy, not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. We looked at that um, yesterday. Second Timothy, go ahead and go there. We're going to be there in the next section of the work. Um, In second Timothy, he talks about how they will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. This is what the Bible's talking about when it says in Hebrews 13, 22, suffer the word of exhortation. It's going to cost you one of the ways to esteem your preacher is to obey what he preaches. I've covered that yesterday. I covered it some in our opening remarks. We're moving on to works. So here for their work's sake, um, stay there where you're at in second Thessalonians. Um, we'll find out that the apostle deals very hardly with those who work not at all. He says, if any man work not, he says, if any man work not, he should not eat. And he says that if a man is a busybody going around being a busybody, working not at all to not even have fellowship with the man, to withdraw yourself from that person that is walking disorderly and working not at all. And so God is very hard on these that do not work at all. But when it says to esteem them highly and love for their work's sake, he's not talking about their career. He's not talking about their skilled trade. He's not talking about their um, salaried position down at the bank or the courthouse. He's talking about their work in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Second Timothy 4, 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will Will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. This work that he's being told to do is all ministerial work. And in fact, in both of these so-called pastoral epistles, first and second Timothy, the um, Timothy, the young boy preacher is exhorted by Paul over and over and over again to labor in the word of God in scripture. Look at verse 14 of chapter three, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them and that from a scripture thou hast known the holy scriptures from 
from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works esteem them very highly in love for their works sakes chapter 2 verse 15 he says study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth studying the Bible preparing messages getting a message from God praying for the people visiting the sick whatever good works go along with the work of pastoral work or of the other ministry works it's not talking about trade work if the pastor happens to build furniture or he happens to drive a bulldozer or he happens to push a pencil at the bank house or he happens to run a gavel at the courthouse whatever he may or may not do in a secular position the bible is saying esteem them esteem them esteem them very highly in love for their works sake talking about the work of the gospel first timothy 4:16 or 4:6 here says um Let's see, I missed it. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. He didn't say if you have calluses in your hands. The only place, by the way, and I say that for a reason, because I've heard that before. A preacher at his ordination was told, don't you ever lose these calluses on your hands. I honestly believe God is more interested in the calluses on your knees than the calluses on your hands. You can be holy and work a job that doesn't put calluses on your hands. You can be holy and be a full-time minister. You can be holy and work a labor job. It's more about whether or not you're obeying God and following God and bringing the word from God with the power of God than it is what you do on the side. And anything besides preaching is a side job for a God-called preacher. A God-called preacher cannot live without preaching. And everything else becomes a side job just to make ends meet. And sometimes that's very necessary and through no fault of the people. Sometimes it is the people's fault. We covered that. Moving on. It says here in chapter 5 um, of 1 Timothy, If any man provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And we're quick to apply this to the man that doesn't work to feed his family. Some of us would even apply this. I've heard preachers apply it to those that... Instead of working when they can, they get their family on welfare and loaf around. And it's an application. It makes it, it works. It fits. And this is actually in its direct context applied to widows um, that a man has a mother who is a widow. Or maybe it's his aunt who is a widow, but it's his own widow that he is to take care of. If he won't take care of his widowed mother, he's worse than an infidel. He's denied the faith. That's the direct context. But this, as much as this can apply to the man who, who fakes his welfare and gets through on government assistance because he's lazy bum as much as it applies to the lazy bum that won't take care of his children, it applies to the church that won't take care of their pastor. And we've already covered that, so we're going to move on. It says here, where's my text at? Lord, help me. we got to keep moving. It says here in this very same place, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Now, chapter... 
we covered that. Let's go down to be at peace among yourselves. We are running out of time. We're going to close this up real fast. First Corinthians 3, the people in Corinth were all having a big fight and a big fuss. So you're to esteem those that are over you in the Lord highly for their work's sake in love. And here he says, and be at peace among yourselves. The second great commandment that you're given to do for your pastor is not fight and fuss in the church house. I went in one church house one time to preach and right up on the pulpit hanging from the microphone stand was a sign that said no whining with a big circle and a cross X through it. No whining. You know, that's biblical. That's Bible. Be at peace among yourselves. No whining. No fussing in the church house. This goes back to esteeming them. You start whining, then you're whining against the people that that pastor is pouring his life into. Do you realize that? That pastor is sweating and weeping and praying and preaching to the people that you're fussing with. He's going to God, begging God to help them, begging God to keep their marriage together, begging God to grow them, begging God to keep them in church, begging God to help their children grow up in the faith, and you're running them down with your mouth. When you do that, you are fighting the man of God. So God says here, be at peace among yourselves. The Paul here was grieved. If you look at 2 Corinthians, he wrote with much affliction and anguish and tears to the church at Corinth because of their schisms and because of their undealt with sins and their unwillingness to obey the word of God. When he talked to the, the church at Galatia, he said, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. They were costing Paul travail because they were, they'd brought in these Judy that were excluding them and making cliques and cults at that for that matter and they were separating the believers from other believers through legalistic keeping of the law and Paul said I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you Christ said love one another 1 John 4:20 and we will close with this verse right here <coughs> <coughs> First John 4.20, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? You come to church and say you love God, but you don't esteem your pastor highly in love, you're a liar. You come to church and you say you love God, but you're fussing and fighting with the other people at the church, you're a liar. The Bible says that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. And your neighbor would include your pastor, and it would include the people across the pew. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd take this effort, that you'd sift out, Lord God, the things that were done and said in the flesh. And Lord, that you would help, Lord, those that hear this message to get help, Lord. I didn't preach this message to hurt anybody, Lord. You know that. Lord, if we will just get back to your word and obey your word, we might see revival just from raw obedience and Lord, it would sure feel like revival just to see churches love one another and see pastors esteemed highly in love across this land again. Lord, there was a day when our pastors would, Lord, they could walk into a town and people would give them re respect just because they knew they were a pastor from another town. And those days are long gone, Lord. We've had enough dirtball pastors and itching ear preachers, father and unfaithful false prophets, Lord, and 
and terrible church messes, Lord God, that we've brought shame to your name and reproach and dishonor to our land until preachers are a thing to be laughed at and scoffed. And Lord, if you, if you tell somebody you're a preacher, Lord, they think that you're a joke. You tell somebody that you go down to the church house and they laugh, Father, and the reverence and the respect is gone because we don't even reverence our own pastors. We don't even esteem our own preachers in love. Lord God, help us to do that. Help us to be at peace with ourselves. Lord, what a revival it would bring to this land just to see Christians love one another as Christians, just to see the church function as a body. Lord, let thy will be done. Send revival to our land. Anoint your word, Lord, and bless this message and use it, Lord, to bring forth fruit for your glory in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.